0: Well, I'm still up here, and, and Colin is up here. Obviously, he's sharing the word today. Blessed other, pure and heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, they will see God, which is going to be awesome. Uh, we wanted to invite you into a conversation that we've been having as a leadership team, probably for about five years. Um, uh, with all of us, we've been speaking about what God is saying and doing in us as a team. And as you know, 2018, 2019, there were lots of different shifts and changes. And um, you know, f- for all of us as a as a leadership, uh, we always just trusting God to show us uh, what He's called us to do, right? And how many of you know that... Uh we, we, we in, in life, we go through different seasons of things. And maybe I'm, I'm sure like most of you, you've, you've been working here, then you move here, then you do this, you do that. And um, I, I think God calls us, particularly as pastors, it's, it's a real calling and it's, it's a ministry. And one of the conversations that we've had with all of us in our leadership team, there were six of us, my mom, my dad, Scotty, uh, Cole, Tom, and myself, we spoke about our heart, obviously, to serve God and, and, and you know minister to God. And obviously, uh, in 2019, uh, Tom and Eileen planted a church in 2019. And I think I remember our conversation in 2018. Uh, Jin, Cole, Tony, and I, we were in, actually in Italy uh, together. And, um, you know, Cole was speaking about how at some stage, they don't know how or when or what, but they really would feel like they could uh, plant a church, you know. And so we've been talking a lot. Um, and even from when Jin and I took over, they really felt a season to come and walk alongside us and to support us, which has been incredible, and of late, and they will share more, and by the way, next Wednesday at Open Chapel, we're going to do a sit-down conversation with Colin and Tony, but they're really feeling the stirring uh, in their heart, and we wish the stirring wasn't there, because <laughs> we love them, and they've been an incredible support to Jen and I, and uh, there are no issues whatsoever. Although like, a bit, we're a bit competitive sometimes with each other. Now, we really love each other, we often are on the same page, and if anything, we're saying, "God, shush, we don't want you to say anything, but they're feeling a stirring into something. And as you know, Tony uh, has studied law and she's looking at starting a, uh, her own mediation practice, which is very exciting. So at the end of this year, uh, Tony's going to step out of um, Sky Kids and she's been an incredible blessing. She's not even in the room today. She's serving up there. We'll talk more about it later, but we just want to invite you in the conversation. And she's going to step out of that. Colin is going to be transitioning into some new things. Um, don't worry, he's still around. He's going to be helping uh, and overseeing true life. But in terms of his role here at Kloof, uh, it's 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 gonna be different. And he's gonna step out of a pastoral role here in Kloof. Um, Some of you, oh, (laughs) it uh, it can be sad. And we've cried actually, and I don't wanna cry now. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but God is moving and he's shifting and he's shaking. And some of you can't help. Um, You know, you just gotta be listening to what God is saying and doing. And they really are praying, saying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? They've got some ideas. But they're really trying to land on the God idea of what God has called them to do. Uh, there's a variety of ideas. We'll talk more about it next Wednesday. So if you want to, because there's not enough now. He's got to preach, right? Um, but they are still going to be around at this stage. Um, and he's obviously still going to be fulfilling his role true life. Um, so, yeah, lots of different uh, seasons and changes and things coming up, so we wanted to just share that with you. Uh, we have been speaking about it as a leadership for a while uh, uh, and I know Colin has spoken about it with a couple um, you know f- personal friends of theirs, and then recently about a month ago we, t- we told our staff and I know some people already kind of know and before any um, negative conversation happened, you know, we just wanted to tell you guys, they're not disgruntled, they're not, not unhappy, if anything, you actually, they would like to stay, but uh, God is, uh, is moving, is that right, and they just want to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying, so my scripture for you today, Cole, before you share your word, which is going to be powerful, is this is my command, this is Joshua 1, be strong and courageous, because obviously there's still a season ahead, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we hope wherever you go is still around here. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Anyway. So, um, we, we will talk more later. They're still here through till uh, the end of the year in their current role. But we just wanted to share that with you. Just to give us time, just to process. If you've got any questions. Obviously, or just anything you want to find out more about. Obviously, listen on Wednesday, but also you, you're welcome to come and chat to, to us at any stage. Thank you, my bro. I love you. And, awesome. Uh, awesome. Thank give you. Hilt. Give it this morning.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Hilt. Love you guys too. And um, yeah, thanks for. We've just been so um, humbled at uh, just the graciousness that Hilt Jin, Roger Vonnie have just shown us over this season and allowing us to explore. Well, we believe God's saying, and uh, I'm not going to take too much time uh, this morning, but just to say that God is speaking, God is moving, and uh, it's, a, it's a great honor uh, and a, a humbling privilege to be able to serve God and just say, Jesus, where you want us? And uh, we even sang it today uh, during the song Oceans, I think it was, is, and, and Tony and I, and I'm sure for many of you, if not all of you, I don't want that to be just a worship song. I want it to be my last cry. God, where, wherever you want us, you send us, you use us, and uh, so we will keep you updated, um, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk too much more because every time we've spoken with Scott and Franz, Roger Vonney, um, Hilton Jin, like, yeah. There's been lots of tears. So let's preach the message today. Um, Can we pray Um, and just ask God to do something significant in our hearts? Father, thank you. Really, we want to thank you. You're a good God. Every time we spend time in your presence, every time we open up your word, there is life-altering, kingdom-shaping, Godly, impacting moments. And so we ask you for that, God. And really, I want to encourage you right now, in this 30 minutes together, ask God to do something radical in your heart. You receive what you ask for. According to your faith, it will be done. And so, Father, would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, would you do the work that only you can do? In Jesus' name, amen. Please excuse my head cold, Um, I will do my best up here not to sound very nasally. Um, Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 is the beatitude that I'm going to be sharing from uh, today, and uh, perhaps I'm biased because I'm preaching on this particular passage, but if I had to choose one, thank God we don't have to, but if I had to choose one, this would be the beatitude that I'd want to get right. This would be the beatitude I'd want the reward of. Um, All of them have incredible rewards. Uh, If you have just joined us in this series, we're looking at these non-countercultural teachings um, that Jesus gives us, and all of them speak about if we we live a certain way, if we flip the script, if we live according to the kingdom culture rather than the worldly culture, there's a blessing, and then there's a specific reward that's attached to that kind of um, blessing. Okay, and so we've looked at blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, we've looked at those who blessed are those who are meek, but this particular one says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Like sometimes I think we just need to stop and just read the scripture. Go, my days. Is it wait, hold on? If blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God, I mean, what an incredible reward for you and I. Who doesn't want to see God? Every single one of us go, God, I'd love to see you show up in my family. I'd love to see you show up in my workplace. I'd love to see you show up in my sick body. I'd love to see you show up in uh, the, 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 our bank account. God, I'd love to see you show up in, in my ministry or the areas you've called. God, I want to see you. To see you in my quiet time. I want to see you in my walk. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, normally, as preachers, what we'll do for our own sake and for the congregation is we'll go and read this in multiple versions because it helps us get a slightly different perspective of each word. Um, as perhaps you know, the scriptures were originally written in Hebrew and Greek and a little bit of Aramaic, and then they translate it into English. And so uh, sometimes, you know, if you're translating one language to another, you'll say, you know, that word kind of means like meek or humble or gentle, and, and you'll add a couple of words to try and explain what that original meaning is. And so when I went and studied this, and when I went and looked at the different versions, blessed are the pure for they will see God, I was anticipating that it would give me all these different words around seeing God. Do you know what the NRV says? Blessed are the pure, for they will see God. Do you know what the NLT says? Blessed are the pure, for they will see God. Do you know what the New American Standard says? Blessed are the pure, for they will see God. Do you know what the, pick a a version, they all just say, see God, see God. See, it's like it's a God is so clear around the fact that if we walk in this countercultural way with a pure heart, we will see God. He doesn't want to mince his words, he wants you to know you have the opportunity to see God. Now I don't know about you, but I've seen this before that you can be in the same room as somebody and you can experience God, encounter God. And the person standing right next to you doesn't encounter God at all. You you can be in the same environment and you can encounter God and somebody else doesn't even know God is in the room. Imagine you and I, everywhere we went, we saw God. In the mundane, in the ordinary, in the mess, that you would feel His presence, that you would see His goodness that you would encounter God. Now, I think for some of us, if we want to take stock right now, there are many moments where we say, I just don't feel God. I just can't like, just can't feel His presence. It's like my prayers are just hitting the roof. I just don't know why, but I just feel like I, I just, I'm not even sure if God really exists. And then, friend, you and I have to ask the hard question hows your heart because the bible doesn't lie blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god and so you and i have to ask this question about our hearts are they pure how do we make sure they're pure Now, before we jump into that, let me just refer to the word blessed, which we said a couple of times throughout this series, because all nine of these Beatitudes start with blessed, which is the idea of being happy or joyful despite circumstance. In fact, some interpretations even give the idea that this word blessed means the envy of others. Because they look at you and they go, I don't understand. How when life seems to be throwing you curveballs, is there a peace and a joy? And how do you seem to stand so tall when it feels like your legs are being, you are blessed. So there's an envy or there's a happiness, there's a joy to your life. And um, to give some context to this, in Genesis chapter one, where God creates Adam and Eve, he gives them a blessing and says, be fruitful and multiply. So before the fall, God's heart was that he would bless humanity. That we would be blessed. And you see this narrative all the way through scriptures. Abraham's spoken about as being blessed. Isaac has spoken about as being blessed. Jacob, David, the king, everybody, there's this blessing that God is trying to get to his people. He's passionate that we would live a blessed life. And so then when Jesus steps onto the scene and gives probably his first public teaching, he goes, you know what I want to speak about? I'd like to speak about nine ways that you can be blessed. But you're going to have to live counterculture. You can't live the way the world does it. I want you to be blessed. And so Jesus gets on uh, the narrative that God saw in Genesis chapter 1, that he tried to speak through his prophets and his people all the way through the Old Testament. And he goes, right, let's get this right, people. In Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the pure in heart. So let's unpack this just a little bit, because God's passion is that you and I would be blessed. Now this idea of blessed is are the pure in heart speaks about this present tense, not this like future thing that you will get to one day. Blessed are the pure in heart is a present tense. Now quick little theology we don't have time to go into the whole lot today, but for many of us we we're, okay how do I how do I get this pure heart? Like, because my heart's, got, my heart's got some issues. It's like, it's funky. There's some, there's some stuff going on here that maybe only I know, perhaps my family know, or those who, cl- but there's some issues on the inside. There's some gunk that I know about. And so, God, how, how am I going to get a pure heart? And many of us go like, okay, well, maybe, maybe what I got to do is like, I don't know, I got to get some, like, go to church. And like, if I just add some church, well, that made no no difference. Okay, well, maybe like if I add some chlorine, you know, to the and I don't know. Maybe if I just like read my Bible, if I just like, I'm gonna give to the poor. I'm gonna I'm gonna just like I, I, I'm gonna I'm okay. No more cussing. That's it. Please, God. And friends, it doesn't matter what we try and do to this im pure heart. I mean, e- even sometimes what we'll do is go like, I'm gonna just try to get this gunk out but the truth is, the more gunk we try and take out, like we stop smoking or stop swearing or, you know, we're gonna whatever you end up, there's just still too much gunk. And, and even if, even if you somehow get good for a moment, like for a season, like you're like, and I'm not trying to, like, mock us getting better. We should we should try and get better. I'm just saying that, like, you're like, okay, I'm just kind of getting this, like, anger thing under control or, you know, this patience thing or, you know, maybe, you know, the lust that's in my heart that nobody knows about. I'm getting on top of this thing. And I'm like, I'm I'm doing really good. Like, the anger, it's not really there. And then you have that peluka who comes along. And they freaking just, like, stir that gunk freaking, you know, and you're like... And you, and, and you know what people say to me sometimes in, in, in my office when we're counseling? They'll be like, yes, that person just makes me so angry. And I'm like, friend, can I just be honest with you for a moment? They didn't put anger in you. They just pulled it out of you. It's your anger. It's your issue. I'm not saying they're not palookas. I'm just saying that like that, that anger was there. You know, what's, you know what we hear people say all the time? I'm sure you've heard it. Maybe you've even said it. You yeah, people say, like, but you know what? God knows my heart. And I'm my like, friend. I, I know what you're trying to say, but it, it's not a compliment. <laughs> like, uh, you're doing yourself no free. He knows. He, he knows. He knows the hidden anger and jealousy, and he knows the greed, and he knows. He knows. And some of you are like, man, what, what, what do we do? The so chlorine doesn't work and take it out doesn't work and people stir it up and I get better and what, what, what do we do? Because there's this impure heart, no wonder I don't see God. And what's deeply important is that the Bible uses this phrase, this terminology, and it's deeply important to our faith. And it says that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, when we say, God, I'm, I'm done running, I need a Savior. And more than a Savior, God, I need a Lord. I, I, I need to surrender my life to you. The Bible speaks about us being reborn. I, don't, I, I think sometimes that word has caused like... Um, in today's society, people want to like shy away from that because it, I don't know. Maybe it just gives you the heebie-jeebies. But it's deeply spiritual and it's a deeply important part of our faith. Because unless you and I are reborn, we can't receive a new heart. The Bible says when you become reborn, it says that you become a new creation. You are now created in the image of God. So your pure heart doesn't come from yourself. It comes from being reborn. Ezekiel prophesies about this. Ezekiel says that God will take your heart of stone, your messed up, hard, broken, messy heart, and he will remove it. Gone. And he will replace it with a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a godly heart. And so this is this is going to be so freeing for some of you here, even for those who perhaps have professed to follow Jesus and been a Christian for a long time. You can't purify your own heart. And if you continue to try, there will be strife, and there will be guilt, and there will be shame, and you will feel like you go round and round the mountain because you, friend, cannot purify your old heart what you need God to do is remove it when you become born again, and he gives you your own new, pure heart. Well, you have to understand, the, the best way that I can explain this, substitution that Jesus, see, because see, some of us know Jesus died on a cross, and we're like, he died for my sin, but, but, but you know what took place? What took place was a substitution, so, so Faf Duplessis is playing number nine for the Springboks. Just stay with me for those who don't know any rugby analogy. But he's playing number nine, and he's having a shocker. Like everything he does just goes wrong. Every ball gets fumbled, every kick goes out, every pass is just to the ground. He's having uh, the commentators are going at him. His, every, his, the, the teammates are having a go. He's, the score's bad. Everything is just horrific. It's a big mess up. So the coach whips him off and puts Herschel Youngkeys or Jaden Hendricks on. There's a substitution. The scrum half is still the scrum half, but it's a different person playing. And Jaden Hendricks gets on there and everything he does just turns to gold. And there's breakthroughs and there's line breaks and he's setting everybody up and he's moving passes. That you, it's just, it's just miraculous what he does. And the game turns and we win. The scrum half is still the scrum half, but there's been a substitution. So when you look at the scrum half, you're like, it's no longer the same person there. And this is what Jesus does. He doesn't just remove our sins. He substitutes himself. He takes on your sin and you take on his nature. And so when everybody's looking at you, sorry, when God is looking at you, You've been substituted. So he's seeing this pure heart. Some of you are trying so hard to have a pure heart, and Jesus says, I've already given you one. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. There's no more strife. We play from this pure heart. When God saw Jesus hanging on the cross, he saw your sin because the substitution had taken place. But when God sees you now, once you've been born again... Is he sees Jesus and he's playing a great game and he's redeeming and he's restoring and it's miraculous and the people around you are being picked up because Jesus is present in your life. Does that make sense? So blessed are the pure in heart, is not blessed are those who, doesn't say blessed are the perfect in heart. Blessed on like, because you know what happens when we get into that place? It's like, oh well, you know, I'm. I'm doing better than than Cursed. I'm doing better than Andrew. Pfft, doing way better than Jin. And it's like somehow we think I'm dirty, but I'm not that dirty. Like God, if you're gonna like bless something, and that's bizarre, friends, because God blesses purity, not perfection, not competition. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now here's the key. So we've been made pure, but then how do we keep pure? Because there's a responsibility. God says throughout the scriptures that there's a responsibility for you and I to keep or sustain that purity. And so we've got to make sure that there's something the scriptures speak about, guard your heart. For out of it comes the wellspring of life. Now, I love white shoes. I will take wet wipes in the morning and I will clean my white shoes. And it's beautiful to see now because so does my six, four, and two year old. All sit next to me with their shoes and they wet wipe even if they're not white. I like white shoes. And I don't really like dogs, just letting you know. I need to preface that. I know I've lost half my audience. I hate cats. There go the other half. Um, But we're not really huge animal lovers, okay? And our good friends, the Deacons, invite us to the dog park one day. Trisha's in the front row. Uh, And their dog, Hobbs, who we actually see me like. Um, Let me tell you, that's a great victory. Hobbs comes, like, bounding over, and I've got white shoes on, and, like, jumped all over my white shoes, and I am mad, like, I, like, let me tell you something, I'm like, yeah, and then I say, Hobbs, no man, and then Trisha says, you shouldn't wear white shoes to the dog park. But then I think, I shouldn't freaking wear white shoes to the dog park. She's right. What the hell am I thinking? Let me ask you something, friends. When God has given you this pure heart, what the hell are some of you thinking? Taking this heart and and not guarding it, not looking after it, not making sure that you guard your heart above all else, because out of it comes the wellspring of life. Have you got your wet wipes out and going, man? I got it. This is a gift. If 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 blessed are the pure in heart, for they're going to see God. And so, yes, when the things of this world come, and they're going to come, we got to make sure that there is protection around our heart. Guard your heart. You will see God, but not. Not, friends, if you let the things of this world. Be- because you, you know this, right? Purity can only be pure if it has no other element inside. And you know what we've done? We've allowed the devil to let us think that, ah, oh, it's just a small thing. Why doesn't it really matter? Guard your heart, Friends. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So can I give you three areas that I think you and I can guard our heart? They're 33 or 333, but can I give you three today about how we guard our hearts? The first, and all three are going to start with quick to. The first is quick to believe. And you're like, oh, come on, Cole. That was obvious. That's easy. It's no biggie. But let me tell you, some of the biggest things that mess with the purity of our hearts, doubt, unbelief, fear, they just have a way of getting into our hearts and they are more dangerous than you would believe. My wife loves to ask why. She's a lawyer, so I get it. I often tell her she should have been a detective, but just everything is like, wow, and I've got to be honest. Like, mostly I don't care. But I'm my husband, and so now we, you know, we have to have the... So it's like, why, why do you think the, the color of that's, that, that color... You know, the beans change the, the, the cans, and she wants to know why at the grocery store. I'm like... No, can't help you with that. Like, you know, it's just why. And like, and I get it. It's just the way that she's wired... Why is it's not a bad question? It's just that, like, so, sometimes the world has made being skeptical, like, the people who are most skeptical or most intelligent, is how, like, the world's been positioned. And, and I, I, I don't foresee any problem with the, with the question why, and even perhaps your doubt, so long as it leads you to Jesus, not away from him. See, because see, we can get so analytical, so intellectual. That it pushes us away from God. I love I love the story and the account of Thomas. He's actually referred to as doubting Thomas, which gives me a little bit of ease because you know Jesus didn't mind that in the holy scriptures he was referred to as doubting Thomas, and so it gives me a bit of ease, but here's the key he took his doubt to Jesus, not away from him. And so, what, what, what happened is, is Jesus is raised from the dead. Everybody's seen him. Tom's like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if I can believe that. And Jesus walks through a wall. Thomas is in, I mean, walk through, the, and Tom's like, still not sure. But then Jesus says to him, Come to me, Thomas. Yeah, put your fingers in the holes of my hands. Bring your doubt, but bring it to Jesus. Because friends, if your intellectual analytical why gets in the way of who Jesus is and what his word has said, that unbelief will taint the purity of your heart. And it will cause it it will cause more damage than than you can think. And um when it comes to and I don't think there's Problems in asking why questions and, 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 and perhaps, you know, uh, not just believing everything that's, that's being said. I think there's a lot of fake news and people can be swept up in a whole bunch of stuff. But, but, but when it comes to God and it comes to his word, we have to have a view of amen. That, that's actually theologically, doctrinally, God has said when it comes to his word, when it comes to who he is, we have to have an amen. The word amen amen means let it be or it's true. And and I think for many of us, we can be a bit skeptical and analytical and like, you know, you've got to prove it, God. God's like, well, hold on. It's about faith. We've got to be quick to believe, not slow to believe. And and, uh, a great theologian said it like this. He said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Are you there? Are you there? Because I need to be there. And you need to be there. God said it. If God said it, I believe it. That settles it. Meaning, if I don't yet understand it, that's okay. But I believe it. I choose if God said it. If His Word says it. That means, friends, when we've got sick family and friends, and the Bible says Jesus is the healer, then I'm going to stand there... Even if I don't understand, but that doubt and that fear and that unbelief can get into our hearts and it can cause grave damage. And so God says it, I believe it, that settles it. Romans says, let God be true and every man be a liar, including yourself, because sometimes you're the great one who can convince yourself that it's not actually true. I love the account of the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. If you don't know the story, Jesus has died. He's been raised from the dead, but he hasn't shown himself to everybody yet. And so there are a bunch of disciples that are walking back along this road, long walk, and they are disgruntled. There's a lot of despair, there's a lot of doubt and unbelief going on in their hearts. And they're having this conversation, and Jesus rocks up. And they start talking to him, and the Bible says that they don't recognize him. They're like just speaking to him like a stranger. And and the reason that they don't recognize him is because of the doubt and the unbelief that's got into their heart that even with Jesus right alongside them, they're unable to see him. I wonder how often you and I don't see Jesus in our lives because we've allowed doubt. In fact, in Luke chapter twenty-four, verse twenty-five, that's telling this ca- account of the road to amaze. It actually Jesus speaking to him, and he says this: "Oh, slow of heart to believe! Be quick to believe, church. Not slow to believe. I wonder how many times you and I have missed God, missed God in our homes, missed Him in the grocery store, missed Him at workplaces, and why? Because of doubts." and unbelief have blinded us to see God's presence, to see God's goodness. I think what we need to be is a lot more childlike in our faith and a lot less analytical. Do you know, not once, not ever, not a single moment has any one of my three kids ever wondered or worried where their next meal's coming from. Oh, yeah, no, but, uh, I know, but e, I because because I was preparing the notes, I'm like, I know, but we're adults, you know. You got to be, you've obviously got to work hard and uh, oh, analytical. Not once has my kids ever wondered how deeply and passionately I love them. Let me tell you, my kids have more faith in me than I have in me. I've seen their birthday present list. But, bro, on what level? You nuts. My dad can do it. I think we've got to have a child like My dad can do it. I don't know, but the bank balances and the, my dad can do it. I, I, you know, I don't know how this. Res- my dad can do it. I, 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 but rationally, it doesn't matter. My dad. My dad can. My dad can or you're going to live in this place where your purity, your purity, your innocence, the way that you view God is tainted by this world, friends. That says unbelief and doubt have found their way in and started a mess with the way that we view God. This area of unbelief, doubt, and fear doesn't just rob us from seeing God, but it robs us from being able to walk into the call of God. Remember the story about the Israelites? They're in the wilderness, and Moses says to 12 of them, go and spy the land to see how we can take it. Be, be clear, God was not speaking to them to say, go and spy the land to see if we can take it, but how we can take it. Ten come back, and they, whoa, doubt, fear. We can't because of this and this reason and that reason, this reason, that reason. The two come back and they go like, we can do it if God says we can. Who are you? Two of the ten. What kind of purity in heart do you have when it comes to following Jesus? You know, God describes the ten and he says, an evil heart of unbelief. That's why they weren't able To walk into the things of God because they were not quick to believe. And so the first check is Am I believing God with a childlike faith, quick to believe? Or do or have I allowed cynicism, unbelief, doubt, fear to get into my heart? And friends, I want to encourage you every time doubt or fear comes into your mind, you have to tell the devil right then and there. Some of you need to say it out loud. You're a liar. You're a liar, devil. That's not true. You're a liar. You need to activate your faith. That's not true, devil. You're a liar. Let God be true and every man be... That's not what his word says. No ways. I'm not believing that. You're a liar, devil. The second is that we need to be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. We know the saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Hilt spoke about that, I think, last week. But you drink poison and hope the other person dies. The key here around forgiveness is be quick to forgive. Because every day you and I stew on it, it gets deeper into the fabric of who we are. And it taints the purity of what God wants for us now, I, don't know, I love this word. It's a new word for me, cogitate. If you don't know what it means, it means this. To think deeply about something, to meditate or reflect. I, like, I want to I say it like cogitate, because that's what happens when we cogitate. It like becomes like vomit. And, and, and some of you, man, some of you got your masters in this. Some of you have given time and energy, like you are cogitators. Like over and over, you rehearse the arguments. You rehearse the rehearsal for the dress rehearsal. Oh man, you've taken that guy out in round one and round nine. You've had the whole discussion. You've set it up. If it's gone pear-shaped, you've discussed it this way, and it's gone over and over and over, and it's gone into the fabric. You don't realize that actually you're messing with the purity of your heart. And you're like, God, where are you? Well, stop cogitating, stop meditating, stop letting that thing go over and over and over in your heart. Perhaps, friends, is better for you, not even for them. Don't worry. Just to let it go. Be quick to forgive. I think even for some of our marriages, you ever use the line, you always... And you never, I mean, tragic lines to use in marriage. But the point is probably that you and I have not forgiven for the time they always did. And so now it's just back on the table. Some of you, I think you will see such freedom in your marriages where you just make a choice today. God, let it go. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to choose to have a pure heart and make sure I guard my heart and some of you, while I'm speaking right now, like, the name of that person is like in your head. You, you like, you know, maybe it's two or three people, but for most of us, probably just one. You're like, man, I have cogitated all over that oak. <laughs> and you're like, call seriously. Like, I can't forgive that person. I, I, I just, even if I wanted to, and just to be clear, I do not want to. But even if I wanted to, I, 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 I just can't. I, I can't. They, they have hurt me too badly. I, I, I can't. Friends, you're right. You can't. You can't in your old heart, in your old ways. But when you're born again, there is a grace. And there is a mercy, and there is a release of God that says you can. And if you can't believe that, you need to go back to point one, quick to believe what God says. And say, God, and, 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 and I want to do this right now, because church is not about listening to a preacher. It's about activating the word of God. So right now, that person in your head, think about them. And then think about them for the last time. And then release them to God. Right now. Oh God, I'm done. I'm not going to be angry. I want to see it. Uh, God, I forgive them. Why don't you tell Jesus that right now? I know, I know. You can justify it all you want, friend, but then you'll stay impure. You, you, you can stand. You, I know, you were right. Okay. But God has asked you to forgive and when you forgive the purity of heart, you will see God. So right now, Jesus, you know every prayer that's happening in this service. And God, we just do that. We, just, we take our closed-fisted, hard-hearted, and we just release. And we forgive them right now in the name of Jesus. Do you know Ephesians, I think it is. The scripture is going to come up. Ephesians speaks about it like this. It says, "Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. Man, that's the cogitated description right there. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, soft-hearted, flesh, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you." All right, Jesus, you've forgiven me, and the truth is, I'm a proper mess, and so God, thank you that I can forgive them. And friends, we've spoken about this before. I think that many people end up getting sick in their bodies mentally, physically. I'm not saying every sickness. I'm just saying that I believe that there are some sicknesses that have got a lot more to do with our spiritual forgiveness bitterness, anger, hatred. It's poison, church. Jesus doesn't say forgive them because it's like the right thing to do. He knows what it's doing on the inside of you. Stop cogitating and start forgiving. The last and third point is a really quick point, but the first two are quick to believe and quick to forgive. The third point is quick to repent. We need to be quick to repent. See, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, and it's not as simple as this, but because we short on time, it's believe, follow, obey. And friend, if you just get caught up on just believe, that is not the full spectrum of what Jesus has asked you and I to do this side of eternity. He's asked that we believe, that we follow him, and that we obey. And obey is going to take a lifetime of repentance. It's not guilt. It's not shame. But it's an acknowledgement that, oh my gosh, Colin, you, you should be better than that in your marriage. You should be better than that on the road with a taxi driver. Colin, you should be better than that as a follower of Jesus. And then, friend, repentance is not remorse. It's not guilt. It's not trying to remove. It's not even asking God for forgiveness. That may be your entry. God, please, God, the way that I behave run. Right God, forgive me. I should not have, been so short with my wife. God, forgive me. Some of you are like, ah, it doesn't matter. Oh, friend, it matters. As long as you choose not to repent, if repentance is not part of your daily, weekly life, then pride is. You are still king of the castle. You have accepted him as your savior, but you have not responded to him as your Lord. Repentance is the great mark of humility. That says, God, without you I'm messed, but with you there's great victory. But God, I need to be transformed. The scriptures speak about it like this it speaks about justification and sanctification. Justification is just as if you didn't sin. Justification. It's what we receive when we receive Jesus. Just as if you didn't sin. Pure, blameless, spotless, thank you, God. Sanctification is the process of Jesus transforming us into His image. And every single one of us need to go on that journey. Every single one of us need to be going, God, I'm, just, I'm not just asking you for forgiveness for that thing that I just did. I'm asking you to change me. Change me, God. Remove the stuff. You see on your own, absolutely impossible. But with God, my days, you start to see God and you start to see God remove that lust. You start to see Him remove that anger. You start to see Him remove that obsession around money. You start to see Him remove whatever it is. But we got to choose, God, I'm going to be quick to repent. God, Actually, I'm gonna get some people around me and they can speak to me. Say, Whoa, not sure about that. And if you like get all defensive, maybe repentance, humility is not something you're quick to. But for all of us friends, if we want to see God, I would suggest that we are quick to believe, that we are quick to forgive and that we are quick to repent. Can I pray this morning? Father, thank you. Thank you that blessed are the pure in heart, for we get to see you, God. And I pray that even this week, God, that we would see you, that wherever we've needed to repent, perhaps of our unbelief, Perhaps we've held on to hatred or our pride, but God, we would start to see you in every area of our lives because it is a promise, God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see you. Amen.
0: Thank you, Carl. That was awesome.